What's going on, everybody? You're listening to the Plain Sight Podcast. My name is Alex Sons, and I'm here with some of my best pals. Cam Jordan. Cam, what's up? Hey, what's up? And Zach, what's going on? Oh, you know, just sitting here in my house still. Forever. <laughs> For the rest of time. Yeah, that won't, that won't change. You don't, you don't have to say that anymore. That's just... We just the normal know. now. Yeah, <laughs> we know exactly what you're doing. That's you why we're sitting here recording this is because none of us can leave the house. <laughs> but this is the Plain Sight Podcast. Our whole goal here is to take our normal, everyday things and find ways that we can connect them to our relationship with Christ. We can be better people and we can be better Christians. And today might be the greatest day of Zach's life. It's a big The day that we get to spend a lot of minutes, an unallotted amount of time. Talking about Spider-Man. Zach, take it away. Oh boy, this is, this is my day. This is a dream come true. Um, you could have told 10-year-old Zach he was going to record a podcast episode about Spider-Man. He would have said, what's a podcast? Because that was <laughs> 12 years ago. Uh, but he probably would have still been excited. So, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, the amazing Spider-Man, the spectacular Spider-Man, whichever fun adjective you want to put in front of him. Spider-Man's a character that debuted in August of 1962 uh, in Amazing Fantasy number 15, a poster that I have on my basement wall, the cover of Amazing Fantasy number 15, uh, written by the one and only Stan Lee. Never forget. Uh, bless that man. Rip. Uh, a character featured in... He will not be making a cameo in this podcast. He, I would like to clarify. We forgot to record his cameo in this podcast ahead of time, so he is not going to be here, unfortunately. <laughs> that is too bad. I know you were all, that's what you were listening for, and I'm sorry. Yeah, we hate to disappoint, but that, that one's not going to, that, that sponsorship fell through, that deal didn't quite work out ahead of time, so uh, unfortunately, it's no Stanley cameo. It's COVID-19. It's yeah, just blame, all on COVID-19. Blame the coronavirus. That's what we're doing with everything else right now, so... <laughs> Uh, Spider-Man, a character with um, eight solo major motion pictures, the three with Tobey Maguire in the early 2000s, directed by Sam Raimi, uh, two with Andrew Garfield, directed by Mark Webb, and then the two with Tom Holland, most recently in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and also uh, a couple years ago, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse um, came out and was a huge hit, uh, super big deal. Um, I'll Zach, throw can I can I ask you who your your favorite is? Of, I knew you were gonna do those. this. I was about to ask you guys who your favorite was. So I'll I'll start this. This is a this is a tough game for me to play. There's a special place in my heart for all of them. We won't tell any of them. Okay, please don't. But but you might if hey, they listen to yeah, this. Toby, you will actually tell them. Toby, yourself. Andrew, Tom, if you guys are listening, know that I love you all. We're I I'm, I've known them long enough that we're on a first name basis. We're pretty close. Uh, <laughs> they're all just Peter, so right. They're all Peter, so that's cool. <laughs> I think, I think my overall favorite is Tom Holland. Um, you better I, preach, brother. He's 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 just that kid is so talented, and he is also like a Broadway kid, so he's really speaking my language right there. Um, like. He really nails the, like, being a kid part of it, which is so super important to the character. He nails the being, like, funny and quippy part of Spider-Man, which is, like, the second most important thing. And the kid is, he's a gymnast and a free runner, and so he's doing most of the, like, non-superpower stunts himself a lot of the time. Um, and it, 
I feel like you could tell when he's doing it. It just like everything about it fits together so perfectly because he's doing all the work himself. Sure. Love that guy. Honestly, my only take is that it's not Garfield. Yeah. That's the only take I, I have. Listen, I'm with you there. I think from the actual character standpoint, he was the farthest away from what Peter Parker's supposed to be. He was the farthest away from Peter Parker. He was a much better, like, quippy, fun, cool Spider-Man than Tobey Maguire was. Like, Tobey Maguire wasn't funny. I loved those movies, but Tobey Maguire wasn't, like, goofy and funny like you want Spider-Man to be. He's got, like, the one-liners, and he punches somebody in the face and makes a joke about it. And Andrew Garfield had that. But he was, like, cool skater Peter Parker and not, like, nerdy, gets beat up by the school bully Peter Parker. And no one wants that. Was Andrew Garfield too hot? You know, that that is sort of the question, right? Because Tobey Maguire is is not. Tobey Maguire looks no. kind of weird, right? Like, a little bit. He's, I don't think he's going to be offended. He's made a career for himself as a professional actor. He's yeah, fine. No. He was in Seabiscuit, you know? He's, he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not hot. Tobey Maguire is not hot. Andrew Garfield, he's hot. He's you a good-looking guy. He's, he's a handsome devil. Mm. That's a he, and then it, he's not being Spider-Man and he's got a British accent and that just makes the whole thing an extra oh gosh. right. Does help. And it when does help. when that first movie comes out and he's like secretly pining for Emma Stone, who admittedly also attractive. I don't blame him. But when I'm looking at Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone and he's like afraid to talk to her, I'm like, why? You you're both beautiful people. Just hang out, talk to each other. You're probably beautiful people like beautiful people. Exactly. So they the, the other good thing about those movies is that the two of them are perfect together. Um, and that that part of it worked so well. But it misses on a lot of the like nerdy, shy Spider-Man Peter Parker stuff. And that's what we all love. That's right. All right, Jack, it's your turn to dive off the deep end. Yeah, um, I'm also going to say I will still hold that Spider-Man 2 with Dr. Octopus, Alfred Molina, is the best superhero movie ever made. That's my... Maybe I should have saved that for Hot Takes. I'll defend it in Hot Takes later. That's good. Yeah, I can't wait to hear because that is a fantastic one, but I wouldn't have said that. Yeah, also, I'll come back and defend it. It's good. When when I was a a kid, my mom once actually made me... I love that movie. So the first Spider-Man movie actually gave me nightmares. The Green Goblin... Yeah, spooky. uh, Like, scene... I, I used to get, like, really vivid night terrors. I would dream of that scene every night for like weeks. But the second movie I loved. And so my mom actually made like a little comic book of me and Spider-Man against Dr. Octopus. It was kind of tight. I'm not going to act like it wasn't cool. I appreciated it. That's Um, cool. We did win. My scary cartoon? And I was the main one who helped. Spider-Man, my sidekick in that (laughs) scenario. Wow. Um... Just a quick interjection. My movie that I could never watch, but I watched all the time, but terrified me was The Lion King. And that's all I have to say. Oh, that's kind of funny because we just recorded Black Panther, which is the same plot. Huh. You know, we didn't talk about that, but you make a good point. You know, it is 100% the same plot. The Lion King is already Hamlet. So it's a plot we've been doing for a long time. True. I mean, yeah, Lion King didn't come up with it. (laughs) But it is the same. (laughs) 
Oh, man. Okay, so, moving us forward outside of Lion King talk, um, I think what has always drawn me personally and I think sort of the public attention to a character like Spider-Man is um, he's so human and relatable. You know, when, when he was written, the big characters in comics were Superman, an alien with unlimited strength who could jump over buildings and run faster than trains. Uh, and you had Batman, who was this dark, brooding, caped crusader who solved crimes and was an expert in martial arts and also just infinitely wealthy. Um, and that was kind of the big, the big two at the time. Um, Fantastic Four existed, but they were kind of goofy, and there were a couple other uh, Marvel heroes that were recognizable, but really it was like those two big DC superheroes, and Spider-Man is kind of what put Marvel really on the map as like a contender in the comic book space. Um, And I think what worked for people is that he's sort of the antithesis of what that Superman and Batman thing is, in that he is profoundly beatable, He's a kid, and he is spending all of his time learning what his limits are and learning how to overcome those limits. Um, he he's spends, you know, the good chunk of his character is that uh, secret identity um, sort of plot thread that has run from the 60s to now, really. Um, I mean, it was the end of Far From Home. It was Far From Home's big reveal was, uh-oh, everyone knows Spider-Man's secret identity now. Do you think Spider-Man did the secret identity more developed than any other superhero? Because a lot of them, a part of their plot is eventually kind of getting revealed, right? Right. Comic books are weird, right? Comics are weird and tough because it's not like one story that runs for what would now be 60 years, basically, for Spider-Man. You you have a, a run that goes so long and then a new writer comes in and starts a new run of comics. Um, and that's true for any of them. Um, but especially in like the filmed versions, um, that is so key to who Spider-Man is. And when you put him sure. against like the MCU, the end of the first Iron Man movie is him telling everybody who his secret identity is. Right. You know, no, no one else in the Marvel Cinematic Universe has a secret identity. It's, it is so inherently a Spider-Man thing, and it has been that way in the comics, like, since the 60s. The history of Spider-Man as a character is about him trying to maintain his secret identity and being afraid that it's going to be used to, um, to get after the people that he cares about if his secret identity gets out. Because he makes these powerful enemies, he's a superhero, he comes up against supervillains, and he's constantly worried about what happens if one of those people finds out who he is, what happens to... Aunt May, what happens to Mary Jane, what happens to these other people that he cares about. Um, And it really kind of comes to a head in the comics in uh, the Civil War event, um, which is super different in the comics just because of the way things work. But in the comics, it's a superhero registration act um, that's about, like, no one is allowed to have a secret identity anymore. Um, And that's basically what that version of the Sokovia Accords is, like, from the movie. Sure. The biggest deal that is for Spider-Man because he's the one who most notably has the secret identity, and he briefly teams up with uh, you know Iron Man's team and says, "Yeah, okay, we need to not have secret identities," and reveals who he is to the world. 
And then the next few months of his comic was about everyone attacking Aunt May, everyone coming after Mary Jane. And then it gets weird because they had to, like, retcon that, so they wrote arguably one of the worst comic lines uh, ever um, when <laughs> to get his secret identity back, uh, Spider-Man makes a deal with Mephisto, who is basically Marvel Comics' Satan, um, and he trades his marriage with Mary Jane for a public secret identity again. So he and Mary Jane are no longer married, but he is, has a secret identity again. It's All weird. right, quiz time. Would you make that trade? Alex, Ooh. go. Keep Not in mind, your fiancé is one of our two listeners. <laughs> so it is my fiancé in order for people to not know who I am. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I also, in the scenario, you, know who I was. you are Spider-Man. So yeah, also that remember that you're Spider-Man. Gosh. Oh. And Dr. Octopus is also, I should point out, uh, has in the past uh, dated your aunt um, to try to get closer to you. Spider-Man's weird, man. Comics are weird. <laughs> um, okay, so here's the thing. I'm going to say no. Mm. <laughs> yeah, why is that? Because I love my fiancé. Mm, good answer. That is a very so, good answer. So I'm going to say who, yes. I'm just going to throw that at you now. I'm going to say yes because if you, I think if you really loved your fiancé, you'd want her to be safe. Um, really? Yeah. So you wow. guys, and I, I you, do actually say that I think Spider-Man is more relational than majority of the other superheroes that we see. And I don't know if that was mm-hmm. something you plan on talking about, Zach, but I feel like he's got the relationships down really well, where you can point to his relationship with his with his aunt. You can point to the relationship with Mary Jane and even with whoever his best friend is, and, and each one is different, but that is always extremely relevant for him more than some of the other characters. Yeah, He doesn't and- have the, the lone wolf vibe that some of the other ones have yeah absolutely and i think that's what makes him an interesting character um probably like the most pivotal moment in spider-man comic history is the death of gwen stacy um that's like his first you know significant girlfriend it's it's emma stone in those two spider-man movies um and it was like the character's first love interest it was you know what they were leaning into that relationship and then the green goblin ends up killing her pretty similar to what happens in amazing spider-man 2 um and he feels this responsibility for it because he's how she got involved in the situation in the first place and you know there's a whole question about if he actually was the one that caused her death and if he could have done something to save her but that human relationship is what's always so important to uh the character and, and i think you're hitting right on it it's one of the things that makes him so relatable is that it's it's about how human he is, even while having these powers. That's actually a great point. If I can kind of, if we could freestyle for a second, um, do. And get a little deep. Um, mm. From this perspective, I'm sure there are a ton of people who feel this way. Maybe we've felt this way in the past. I know I haven't sometimes. Um, that sometimes when we're going into relationships or friendships or mentor situations when we have a lot of baggage uh, it's really easy for us to try and distance ourselves uh, sure and say i don't want to bring this into my relationship with someone else it's really common in new dating relationships and 
whether you are the one doing that, keeping that distance, or whether you're the one that's trying to figure out why that's there, um, it's a really tough thing to toggle. Um, and Spider-Man never really seems to... In my personal opinion, in the movies, it's not really something he seems to get over. Yeah. It's always this kind of struggle he has where who he is might determine whether he's able to have that kind of relationship. What do you guys say about that? Yeah, absolutely. That's it's so inherent to it's so inherent to him and and I think again that's why it works as an audience member whether it's a a reader or somebody who's watching one of the many TV shows or one of the movies is that is so like realistic. Um, you know, it, it, it is sometimes really difficult to bring whatever you are into a relationship, bring whatever, whatever you're already dealing with into whatever somebody else has to offer. Um, and I think that's true in a romantic relationship. It's true in a friendship. And I think really significantly, it's true in our relationship with God that we have a hard time separating ourselves from our own issues and from what we're concerned about. And we, when we have that fear, it makes it hard for us to connect with something else. Um, and, and that's, it's a human experience. I don't know of anyone who would say they've never experienced that. Um, but it, it's what makes the character work and he never solves it because he's a fictional character. And if he solves it, then there's no more conflict and it's not fun to watch anymore. Yeah. But what's cool is that, you know, he, a fictional character like that, that's why we're doing this whole thing is that it lets us examine how we can push towards the solution to it. Yeah. I I think one thing that that's really cool about Spider-Man that I don't think we necessarily see with some of the other characters is I feel like he's always on the back end of making the right move. I think we see his struggle a little more than some other characters. And I I think if we look at our, our own lives, I think that's kind of relatable in the sense of, you know, when I look at, at other people around me, I don't necessarily see their struggles. We're kind of in this day and age of social media where people highlight the good things going on, not the bad, which is, is, is expected on social media, but we see our own bad things, right? And so I think we see Spider-Man struggling with this idea of what do I do here? And we see him make the wrong decision a lot. We saw it in this last movie where, where he was a little too trusting, too quick, and I think we've all probably been a little too trusting too quick at times. But, you know, sometimes we look around us and, and we only see that in ourselves. And, and we kind of lower ourselves from the rest of, of the team because we don't see them f- struggling to make those decisions, but we see it with ourselves. And I, I, think, I think that's kind of how, how Spider-Man fits into the Avengers and to the rest of, of the, the people he's surrounded by is we see him really um, fighting with what is the right decision. Kind of this, how am I going to make this impact? Um, and I think that's relatable. Because, you know, you look at, at Captain America, you know, he's going to face struggles. He, and and we, we see it with him, but not to the extent that we see it with Spider-Man. Captain America has this kind of vibe, this aura of, of always, like always knowing the right thing to do, always doing really the honorable conviction. thing. really strong conviction. Yeah. 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 We don't necessarily see that with Spider-Man. We see him fighting to see what, what is the right thing to do. He doesn't have the conviction, but he still comes out on the right side every time. 
Yeah, and that, that struggle to make the right call is so central to who Spider-Man is. And it's, it's the quote that is attributed to Spider-Man, that with great power comes great responsibility. Like, if there's one thing that I think the general public can attribute a quote with Spider-Man, it's that. Fun fact, uh, that actually was not originally said by Uncle Ben. Um, everybody attributes oh, it that. said by? Nobody. It was just in an end card at the end of one of the comics. So, oh, that's like, good. Stan Lee, basically, is the one who first said it. And he said it, I actually kind of like the way he said it originally. It was, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. And I like that because what it means is, like, it's not that when you get powerful, you have to, like, help people. It's that when you get powerful, you have to make the choice to help people. It's not about, like you Whoa. getting this and like now you are in charge of things it's not like you have the responsibility because you are in charge it's you have the responsibility because you need to choose to take responsibility when you're given that that power and that's going to like walk us right into one of the biggest things about Spider-Man uh, that matches up with what we're doing here with this podcast is that we have this great power you know we have this connection with an almighty and most high god and we have this responsibility there there must come this responsibility to share it with other people because we have this great power and because of that there must also come great responsibility well also i mean when you talk about what happens when people see you as a christian um and even though it's wrong i think we would all say it's wrong you get held to this unfair standard and it's even higher when you put on the mantle of any leader in church or in ministry yeah. or when you're doing something like we're doing here where you get analyzed. Um, there's a weird thing where you can't do this or you can't do that and you better not say these seven words and you better not be seen here. And there's this stripping of your humanity that happens sometimes. Um, and although we wouldn't agree with it, there's something that's really right about it. Yeah. When the fact that when, as Christian, what Christian means, and I think we know that when the word Christian was used in the Bible, it was always using a derogatory term. Um, it was using like, oh, you little Christs. Okay, go be a little Jesus. That's cute. But we took on the term because when you talk about what it means to be a Christian, essentially we're saying that we are trying to model who Christ is. We're just trying to be our little part of the Christ. Sure. And so when you take that mantle on, when you take that name on, with that comes the responsibility of the big word sanctification. Um, the normal meaning is becoming more like Christ. And when you take that on, people are always going to look to you like that. You're going to get held to a higher standard. So although sometimes it may feel unfair, um, it's part of life and it also helps to mold us to be the better person that we are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, I think connected to that uh, as well is, is how we lead. And I know that's something you talked about. I know that's something that the three of us have all had experience leading. Um, I've had the opportunity to kind of study it in the classroom this last year, which has been a really interesting place to learn about it. But, but one thing that we've talked about actually comes from um, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge by Clay Scrogans, which is a book. I know, Alex, you've read that one. Um, yeah, fantastic. And, and one thing that, that he talks about that I just love is 
that um, the whole book is, is how do you lead when you don't necessarily have the title? That the idea of leadership is not associated with a title. And in the same way, a title does not necessarily mean you're a leader. It sometimes means you have followers, but it does not mean you're a good leader. And those are two very different things. And so I think, you know, when, when we're talking about Spider-Man and, and the connection to this is the idea of like the, the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And I think when we look at, at um, you know, sometimes what we want to do as Christians and what we expect superheroes to do is change the world. Yeah. Go be Billy Graham. Go be Judah Smith or, or whoever it is that is out on the front lines. But, but we also need people who are leading in their little pockets of influence. Who's changing lives in, in your neighborhood? Who's changing lives of the neighbors, the people, people right next to you, and, and the people you're interacting with at work, in class, in your household? Your pocket of influence is the people all around you who are looking at you and have associated you with Jesus. And whether you like it or not, when people look at you, you reflect their interpretation of Jesus. And so how are you leading them to better understand who Jesus is? We don't necessarily need every single person to be Billy Graham. That role is important. And someone will always be in the spotlight. Somebody will always kind of be the face of what we do. It's, it's how we work. We associate people that way. But we need people who are going to be the friendly neighborhood Christians who are going to be changing those lives of everyday people. Okay, you saying friendly neighborhood Christian is one of the cheesiest things I've ever heard, and I love it. Hey, it <laughs> it's worked. So, it's so good because, you know, you kind of think, we just moved into a home, uh, just bought our first home, I'm in the neighborhood, and I've been really brainstorming, like, how can I put my influence on my neighborhood? How can I really be a missional Christian? And the fact that what are some ways that I can make sure I'm in the community? What are some ways that I'm making these connections? You talked about Clay Scroggins' book, How to Leave You Not in Charge. The, the subtitle or whatever it's called is uh, – it says how to leverage influence when you lack authority. Yeah. And the thought is that we all have influence. Mm -hmm. And although we don't all have the authority, which is a great transition into another big talking point we had, is that although Spider-Man – is extremely likable. Um, he's definitely not at the top of the totem pole when it comes to the Avengers. Or, um, he's very low in the bottom. Gets stomped on a lot, especially in these movies um, when you talk about Civil War and he just kind of gets dragged into it. And Come on, you're a kid. You don't need to know what's going on. You just need to go sling some webs and kick some butt. And there's this thought process where a lot of times we can feel kind of stepped on, but it's our job to say my authority that I have in this situation is not near as important as making sure that I'm leveraging my influence to be a positive part of this community, of this organization, of this church, of this friendship, of this relationship, and so on. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, and I think that's, that I think kind of ties into the sort of dual nature of Spider-Man as the character. You know, we we talked, when we were talking about which actor was our favorite about one person getting Peter Parker and not getting Spider-Man or one person getting Spider-Man but not getting Peter Parker. And I think that's also super inherent to what you were just talking about is that, you know, as, as Christians, you know, we, we have this certain expectation put upon us that this person 
you know, probably goes to church once a week and probably reads their Bible in their spare time and probably doesn't X, Y, and Z. Um, and in, in reality, we are also still human. Um, and we have to forgive ourselves when we fail at certain things. We have to be willing to forgive ourselves when a, a certain standard is not upheld. And for Spider-Man, it's this, you know, the whole 60 years of that run, he's been tagged as amazing and outstanding and spectacular and superior. And these are all, like, words that have been thrown on Spider-Man. Ridiculous. Ridic the ridiculous mm. Spider-Man is one of them, yes. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> but in the end, he's always just a teenager. Like, sometimes in his 20s, but usually he's a teenager. And he's being held to this crazy high standard, but he can't possibly actually be expected to do that all the time. And it's one of the big conflicts in the character is that he's being called the amazing Spider-Man and he's fighting villains and whatever. But when he gets home at night, he forgets to pick up eggs for Aunt May. You know, it's, it's these big public showings, but then a personal failing somewhere else. That doesn't make him any less of Spider-Man. He still continues to be Spider-Man. But he's allowed to fail in those small ways, and, and the growth of the character is learning how he's allowed to fail and, and forgiving himself for that. Well, I think that's really relevant, you know, when we're looking at the Bible, because, I mean, historically speaking, most of the disciples, although we don't have an exact age, were likely teenagers. Things happened back then younger and younger, and so they likely, you know, were looking at John and, and Peter and, and all these guys, and, and sometimes I think we think that they're these you know, 40, 50 year old guys who have all this life experience. They're not. They're, they're younger than, and we're all 22. They're probably younger than, than we are now. And they're giving up everything to follow Jesus, who at this point is in his 30s. And so I think that is, you know, that's, that's hard. You know, when we, when we look at a lot of these protagonist characters, we're quick to say they are Jesus. You know, they're symbolizing Jesus. In this scenario, I, I would say that he's not. not I think close. he's representing yeah. the disciples. Yeah, absolutely. The people who are making the mistakes along the way. Peter, who is known for some of the biggest successes and biggest failures in the Bible. Peter? Peter's good. Oh, you might have just did Peter Parker? Oh. <laughs> oh, we might have just did something. You might have just did something. <laughs> but I think, I think that's... I, I think that's the, the better comparison here. And I know I've got one that I want to talk about later in our hot take. But uh, I think when we're, when we're thinking about, you know, who does Spider-Man represent, it's, it's these guys who don't know what they're doing. They've got to ask questions along the way. They're going to fail a lot and Jesus is going to get frustrated and say, why aren't you figuring this out? Let me tell you again and again and again and again and again. And eventually they get it right one time but they've got to fail about 10 before they get there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of, that pulls to me in, in this like imagery of, you know, what Matthew 12 talks about and, and the children coming to Jesus and having faith like a child. You know, um, mm. Spider-Man is constantly having to pull from this, this inner strength, this inner power that he doesn't necessarily understand you know, it's never really explained exactly why a radioactive spider bite causes him to have these superpowers. But regardless of being able to understand them, he is constantly asked to rely on them even in these most difficult situations. You know, 
Um, in the movies, you've got moments like in Spider-Man 2 when he has to stop the train that Doc Ock has, has driven out of control, and it's that, you know, that is a little bit Jesus imagery where he's, like, being held oh literally in a cross pose on the front of the train. A lot of it Jesus imagery. Yeah, it's okay, on that one, that one is fair. That one I'll give you. I'll give you another one, Spider-Man Jesus imagery, in Spider-Man Homecoming when he's trying to hold the two halves of the fairy together. Okay, but those are the same scene. Let's not pretend like those scene. are different. You're, I know they're different, but they are the same. They're, they are both meant to evoke the same thing, though. <laughs> but it's, it, is, it is that idea of like barely being able to hold on and not really being certain, but having faith in this inner strength that he has. And it shows up again in, you know, also in Spider-Man 2, the wall falls on him. Uh, while he's protecting Mary Jane, also in Homecoming when that uh, vulture brings down the warehouse on top of him and he's kind of looking at his reflection in the puddle and saying that, you know, he's not calling himself Peter Parker in that moment. He's saying, I'm Spider-Man, I'm Spider-Man, and he pulls the building off of himself and escapes. Um, and even more recently, you know, uh, in Far From Home, it's that uh, inability to determine what is uh, real and what is Mysterio's illusion and trying to figure that out and really having to trust his, you know, his spider sense and learn to use that and, and learn to trust that inner power. And I'm really specifically using the phrase inner power because that's also something that we have to do as in our journey as Christ followers is learn to trust this inner power even in moments when we really don't know what the outcome is going to be. And in a lot of times it's going to feel like we don't have the power that we're going to need to move forward. It's about trusting this inner power, this Holy Spirit that's been given to us to show us what our next step is and to lead us through safely into the next thing. That's fantastic. Um, speaking of leading us into the next thing. <laughs> Great segue. I think it's time for America's favorite part of the podcast. And that Who's is America. Is that one of our two followers? The Silly Zone. Welcome to the Silly Zone. Welcome to the Silly Zone. <laughs> Here in the Silly Zone, we love to have a good time. We get a little less deep, even though I tend to still get deep in our first segment. Um, and that is called, well, that's a stretch. And our second segment, the best segment in all of podcasting, our game time segment, titled, Lavery with Zachary. You know, I had forgotten that that's what you called that segment until like 20 seconds ago, and it hit me again how ridiculous it is. Your face on the Skype call was just one of the most pure things. Could you see the moment I remembered what you were about it was to say? Amazing. Yeah, it was good. It was good. So I'm going to start the Silly Zone on something a little less silly, um, and then we're going to let you guys take your hot takes. Um, one thing that is really specific when you talk about Spider-Man 3, the Toby one. Yeah. A great um, flick. I'll defend when it you talk about that's a stretch, is uh, with the what is the Black Spider-Man stuff called? The symbiote venom. Wow, oh, that's good. Isn't that just venom? Uh, it, when the symbiote takes over Eddie Brock, that's when it's called venom. So the, when hmm. you talk about the symbiote <laughs> and how it started off so innocent and eventually became this monster that completely overcame him. It's a fantastic parallel for the way lust can enter our lives. Mm. And it's fun and it's good at first and it gives us these extra 
powerful feelings and it feels innocent and it gives you a little bit of swag like a little it bit of confidence a little bit of swagger man you walk with a dip you know what i'm saying but <laughs> eventually it becomes this monster and we rely on it and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and eventually it just completely becomes something that we don't even recognize anymore yeah um but what i would like to point out is he beats it in the end and praise god praise break three two one ain't he good mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, you guys, who's going next? Cam, what you got? I'll I'll go. So uh, I talked earlier about about who we can connect Peter Parker Spider Man to in the Bible. Um, another podcast that that we've been working on to to come at y'all with um, is is the John Mayer podcast. We're talking about Continuum, um, and and in doing some research on both, I've discovered that the overall theme of John Mayer's Continuum and Spider-Man's character art are both kind of one and the same. And it's the idea of how can the youth impact the community? John Mayer uh, comes out with these near anti-war songs of waiting on the world to change and belief, these ideas that nobody knows what to do with. Um, and then Spider-Man is this, this kid who, who nobody knows if he can be trusted on these big missions they're both these ideas of how can I take what I have and, and impact the community. And it's this idea of, of kind of youthful energy. And so I think those themes, if I were to connect them to each other and then connect them to any character in the Bible, it's, it's Timothy, who, who Paul is trying to pass the torch to Timothy, as, as Paul's coming near the end of his time, um, spreading the gospel the way that, that he had planned, um, not knowing he was going to be accredited for writing two-thirds of the New Testament, but he passes his torch to Timothy and says, you, you get to carry this, this flame. And I think John Mayer and, and I think Spider-Man are ultimately saying the same thing of, how can the youth, who are arguably the most important part of the church, at all times the youth, the next generation, is the, the, the part of the church that we need to focus on the most, that's the idea that both of these kind of media outlets are pushing. So if we want to know, and I'm sure the FBI is probably going to take this down after I say this, what we're Definitely. saying is, speaking of hidden identities, John Mayer is in fact Peter Parker, who is in fact Spider-Man. Yeah, that's for sure gonna get flagged yeah. by the FBI. You, you gotta, you gotta cut that out because we can't, we can't upload it that way. <laughs> yeah. So John Mayer's first song, Victoria, was actually about Mary Jane. That was a Mary it's, Jane song. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's all I got for you. I got something for you. I've, I've just recently, um, in the last minute and a half, decided that I'm transitioning my hot take into something new. Oh gosh. We were going to talk about how Spider-Man 2 is the best superhero movie. And I could still talk about that. I still have opinions there. But now, it, this is a mini-segment I call in, in Defense of Spider-Man 3. Oh. Listen. This is good, because I know, I know you got this, because I made the face when he said Spider-Man 3 was a great movie, and you said... And I said, ooh, I think I've changed my mind. I'm going to do something new. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I enjoyed okay. it. Okay, Spider-Man 3, admittedly, I saw it at um, probably the peak of my uh, Spider-Man fandom. 
It was, it was, I was at the right age for it. Um, as in like 12, maybe? Nah, that seems too old. I don't know, something around there. Um, Sounds like a good age to me. Yeah, it does. Um, what this movie gets objectively so right is all of the Sandman business, right? That whole Flint Marco arc, the, the scene where he is getting first turned into Sandman and he's trying to reach out and grab the locket that has his daughter's picture in it and he can't, he can't get it because it keeps phasing through his hand because his hand is sand now. He's got a sand hand. It's a sand hand. Mm. That was what I wanted sand to say. Sandman with a sand hand. Sandman with a sand hand. And now he's got a sand plan because he's going to go rob some banks. Oh! Nailed it! Bars. That, stuff, bars. that stuff is incredible. That's like gripping emotional work. Like that, yeah. that lands. Don't tell me it doesn't land because you know it does. Watch that. Okay, fine. Again. I will give you that one scene. The rest of the movie, overdone. So here, here's my thing. The <laughs> Venom stuff, all of the, his like walking down the street, snapping it at ladies and buying a black suit. Hey, that's dumb, right? That's really yes. dumb. Good but I dumb. don't know. I don't know about you guys. I'm not like cool. I've never been like a cool guy. I've been, I'm like fun. I think I'm fun. I don't think I'm cool. But I do think. Are you saying was, you would do the exact same thing? I in his think shoes? if there was an alien <laughs> speaking into my ear, telling me I needed to be edgier to get the woman I wanted, that's probably what it would tell me to do. If I was like a dumb nerd and I just for the first time got confident and something was like, you need to be cool. Go do what cool looks like to you. I would probably like walk down the street and snap at people and buy an all black suit. And I'd be like, Hey, I'm cool now. I don't think Toby Maguire in those moments is cool, but I think he is what a nerd thinks cool is, which is why Peter, it's why Toby Maguire nails Peter Parker so perfectly because never does he actually look cool in that movie, but he does look like he thinks he looks really cool. And that Which is, is what makes it on. awesome. That it's so good. It nails that Thank theme. You. And Sam Raimi wanted to make a movie just about Sandman and he didn't want Venom in the movie. And you can tell because Sandman's the only one he cares about. I rest my Oh, 100%. Case. That's my whole thing is there are too many villains in that movie. Oh, there's, there's way so too many much villains. going on. But you know what? James Franco is doing a, a fine job in that movie as Harry Osborn. I think taking up the, the mantle of the Green Goblin, I think that's all cool. I think, like, space snowboard guy is probably not the best look in the world, but mm -hmm. the, the character stuff is really good. I think it's really good. Also, I think the scene with uh, 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 Bruce Campbell as the French maitre d' at the restaurant where they're just saying Parker and Pecker back and forth. I think it's really <laughs> funny. It's really funny. Because he's going, uh, reservation for Peter Parker? Uh, yes, one, f two for Pecker. Uh, Parker. Pecker. That's so dumb, and I love it. <laughs> That's my hot take. Are we ready? I think, I think we're ready. <laughs> Every single podcast, Zachary I'm Kuyat is going to come at us with a game that we are not prepped for at all. <laughs> I've got something. I'm, I'm holding on. Of them. I'm ready for dear life. I have never lost. You've never won. And so now's time. <laughs> never lost for... with an asterisk. Um, <laughs> all right. Today's game. Laffery with Zachary. Oh, Here's boy. your host, Zachary Kuya. 
All right, welcome to the game segment, which, uh, wh- whose name I will not dignify by saying it again. Today's game is entitled Spider-Man Villain or Ridiculous Band Name. Oh, what I have yes. for you is, good. is a list. Mouse Rat is not a Spider-Man villain. This is true. That's a good point. What I have for you is a list of things that could either be the name of a Spider-Man villain or the name of a ridiculous band that I found and did some research on on the internet. Um, simple back and forth. Uh, you'll each get four questions. Uh, whoever's got more points at the end of those four questions each is our winner. I do have one tiebreaker question um, in the event of a tie. I'm learning what I need for these games with a little extra prep so that I can have something ready just in case. So with no further ado... You act like last game was anywhere near a tie. You know, I it, won by it like wasn't. hundreds of thousands of points. <laughs> you lost six to three. <laughs> I six had like a three. million. Zach said it. <laughs> Number three, you know, it, the verbal rule was that the third one counted as a million, but I think the moral victory we all know goes to the, the clean sweep of six straight points. This week, question number one is going to go to Alex. Oh, yeah. Alex, aphrodisiac, spelled A-F-R-O, afro, disiac with a Z. Is aphrodisiac a Spider-Man villain or a weird band name? It's a band name. Alex, that is correct. Aphrodisiac is a French R&B group that admittedly hasn't been active since 2012. Oh, man, Whoa. I was going to go disco era. Yeah, French R&B group. Um, they're not did you great. listen to any of these? I did listen. I listened to all of these. They're fine. <laughs> <laughs> he said there's a reason you can't tell if they're yeah. a band or a villain. Exactly. Yeah, all right, Cam, second one's to you. Please be bad. Cam, typeface, Spider-Man villain or Spider-Man weird villain. band name? Spider-Man villain? Yep. That is correct. <laughs> typeface, <laughs> typeface is a Spider-Man villain who paints letters on his face and uses giant letters to attack people. Could we all agree that typeface would be played by Nicolas Cage? I, I would have to assume as much. He's also like a Vietnam vet, and that's kind of his thing. And Nicolas Cage has that whole tortured thing down. So I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Alex, back to you. Bring it. <laughs> These are so ridiculous. Hypnosis Hustler. Hypnosis Hustler. Oh, that's a, that's a villain. That is, in fact, the Spider-Man villain. The Hypnosis Hustler is a musician who hypnotizes crowds of people with music and they hand over their valuables to him. So it is also a band. (laughs) It's a fictional singular musician. So it's a little different. I'm also convinced Al City is a fictional singular musician. (laughs) So I think in this scenario, that's a wash. And is a villain in the comic of music. Hey, you said it, not me. I, I, I heard you. <laughs> My fiance Melody told me the other day. She said, "I really liked Fireflies," and I said, "Melody, you want to come out with this now when we're engaged?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she knows she's safe now. She's got oh, you already. <laughs> okay, Cam, back to you. I'm ready. <laughs> I can't believe I found this. Cam, the the. <laughs> That's the That's a band. 
That's the. a band. T H E. It's a band? Yeah. The The is an English post punk band active since 1979. You are absolutely correct. They're still active? Yeah, still active. Wow. Since 1979. The The. <laughs> the The. The The. Okay, Alex, I think this one's a tricky one. Gosh. Alex? Okay. Ashtray Boy. Is that, a, is that a weird band name or a Spider-Man villain? Ashtray Boy. Sounds like a, like a character that Zach Wee came up with after watching Mystery Science Theater <laughs> 3000 like 10 years ago. It sure does. But no, it's a real something else that someone else created. Um, it's a band? Alex, that is correct. Ashtray Boy is an indie rock band known for their 2015 album, Painted with the Mouth. Don't know what that means. Painted with a mouth. I don't know what it means, and I probably wouldn't tell my mom about it. <laughs> Can we also not pretend like two of mutually our favorite bands of all time are titled Need to Breathe and The Band Camino. The Band Camino. And if they were not big and or our favorites, their names probably also belong on this list. Yeah, I think we the could probably do Camino's the same thing with name the Rocket Summer. The name The Band in it. <laughs> <laughs> they did put band in the, Well, they, they didn't want to be accused of false advertising. They wanted to let you know what they were right from the top. They are a sure. band. And this is the band. <laughs> okay. I, you know, I guess, but I don't know. I think they would belong <laughs> on this list if we didn't love them. I think, you're, I think you have a good point, though. Okay, Cam, it's back to you. Cam. The Living Brain... Spider-Man villain or villain name? That is correct. The living brain is, in fact, a Spider-Man villain. He's a highly advanced uh, computer designed by a man who, this is also true, is named Dr. Petty. So is that just like Marvel's take on Frankenstein? But like a smart Frankenstein? It was the late 60s and people were afraid of computers. So yeah, somebody just Uh, made a computer that was designed to help people and then it ran amok through the town. Do you think Dr. Petty was one of the finalists for the Jerry Springer Show titles? <laughs> P E T T Y. Oh man. Okay, Alex, we're back to you. Oh man, this is good. This, this one we're it's tied three, to, three, three. to three. If you both get this or both miss this, we will have to move to the tiebreaker. Alex, your final regular round question. Pork Queen. Is Pork Queen a Spider-Man villain <laughs> or a weird band name? Please be both. Please be both. <laughs> Pork Queen is a band name. Pork Queen absolutely is a band name. Pork Queen is a Canadian indie rock band that released only one LP in 1994. <laughs> Gosh, I bet it's a classic too. It's, it had two songs on it. They only made 300 prints of it. Because they didn't think anyone else would buy it. And I don't even Were they right? They sold all 300 Probably. <laughs> okay, Cam. Uh, the final question of the regular round. If you miss this, Alex wins the game. If you get it, we move on to the final tiebreaker question. Oh, Lord, please. Cam. Mindworm. Is Mindworm. Villain. 
That is correct. Mindworm is a Spider-Man villain who drains the mental energy from people around him. And with that, we have a 4-4 tie going into the tiebreaker round. You know, I'm going to be honest, I don't know how you both did that. I thought at least a couple of these would trip you up. But you brought it all the way perfect 8-for-8 eight eight into the tiebreaker. Cam's cheating. <laughs> I have not gotten one of these wrong in our last two recordings. That's true. I'm feeling good. I'm shooting 100%. Put me in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> okay. So for the tiebreaker round. You um, and Boban. <laughs> for the tiebreaker round, I'm going to just accept the first answer I hear from one of you. If you, ha- if you give the same answer, I'm going to ask for clarification about something. Um, and we'll get to that if we get to that. But f- for now, I'm just going to take the first answer I hear. It all comes down to this. Spider-Man villain or weird band name. Slide, spelled with a Y. Band name. Villain. By a score of five to four. Slide is a Spider-Man villain who wears a costume that eliminates all friction from his body. Cameron Jordan, you are this week's winner on this on a game show that will never exist again, Spider-Man villain or weird band name. Let's go on oh. a game show that will exist forever in our hearts, Laffery with oh. Zachary. Oh, it pains me every time. <laughs> Man, so we're going to transition out of the silly zone. We always want to end this with one take-home practical point that you could take in your everyday lives that you could start working on right now, today. Boys, Zach, you want to go? Yeah, I'll go. Zach, close um, us out. I think uh, the the big thing for me that you get from Spider-Man that you don't get from everything else is that uh, that need to rely on something supernatural, something superhuman in Spider-Man's case. You know, he... He has to constantly push through these barriers that he doesn't think he can. And in the same way, I think we have to be able to transcend something that is larger than human, that is, that is supersedes our own strength. And to do that, we have to rely on something that is, that is supernatural, that is superhuman. Um, and for us, that's the Holy Spirit. Um, and while that's not going to give you super strength, and it's probably not going to give you a precognition about somebody trying to punch you in the back of the head... Um, it is a faith that we can rely on to get us through the day-to-day. That's killer. Cam, what do you got? Yeah, I think it's kind of connected to, to what I was talking about earlier with, with leadership. And it's just that um, whether you have a fancy title that has chief or executive in it, um, or if, if you don't, I think it's important to know that you have people who are following you. Um, the... The, the thing is that, that you might be the only Jesus that somebody ever gets to see. And so how are you going to show that to them? And so taking your, your pocket of influence, the, the people who are, are looking at you, and, and showing them who Jesus was, who Jesus is, and, and the opportunity that they have. Um, Spider-Man was not this, this world saver. I mean, he, he was, but, but his name was the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And, and so how are you going to be that for your community? Um, again, God doesn't ask you to be Billy Graham. That might not be what he calls you to be. But, but he might call you to change the lives of the people you come across every day. So how are you going to step up to the plate when that comes? That's fantastic. I think what I would give is that 
there's always this tension um, with Spider-Man with how young he is and the thought that he just wants to be a kid. I'm just a kid. What can I do? I'm just a kid. Um, and you always dream about the future. Look, I'm a dreamer. You guys are both dreamers. That's why we want to do things like this. Um, but one thing I would really, really challenge you guys to do is that whatever your dream is, um, whatever it is that you're hoping you can do in the future, find one thing that you can do right now today to start that. Right. Yeah. I was just talking with a good friend who said he wants to start a nonprofit um, for the environment. And I said, okay, cool. And he said, well, I want to build up a lot of funds. And I said, that's great. What you can do right now, though, is find something that you can do with no money and build that heart of service in you to where that drive becomes something that you don't just start when you're ready or when you think you're ready, but you've been ready the entire time because you took the step to do what your dream was right now today. Right. Mm, that's good. So, guys, that's it. That's the Spider-Man podcast. After this, we're going to uh, pour a big thing of Gatorade on Kuyat for carrying us. Um, he's out here <laughs> looking like LeBron in 2016. He just put the team on his back, uh, and we came back. Thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great night. Deuces. Wash your hands. <laughs>